You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. So is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship? The simple answer is no, it is not a dictatorship. This question can be raised by two types of people. You've got one who are religious and those who are irreligious. If it's the religious people who are raising this question, then this question or this allegation simply backfires to any other prophet who ever existed and any of their successors because our system of Khilafat is no different to the divine leadership that they followed. When irreligious people ask this question, then it should be understood and it should be explained that when we talk about organized religion, unfortunately there is this impression around the world that in an organized religion you don't have the freedom to do what you want, you have to follow certain rules and regulations and um, you're, you're bound by a lot of uh, laws. And when a leader comes into the equation it becomes even more, you know, uh, something to worry about. So to such irreligious people it should be made clear that when we accept the Khalifa, we do so willingly. When we perform the pledge of obedience to the Khalifa al-Masih, we're not only pledging our obedience to Khalifa al-Masih, but in fact it's actually pledging our obedience to God Almighty and we do so willingly. There is no coercion and there cannot be any coercion in that sort of a pledge that you make. Now another thing that needs to be borne in mind is that a dictator is someone whose say and want and desire, it goes without any question. No one can challenge it, no one questions it and uh, people tend to accept it as it is and the dictator does not allow anyone to give suggestions or proposals. But we see the Ahmadiyya Khilafat to follow the very basic Islamic injunction which is to uh, consult them in important matters or the other in Quranic verse which uh, says that whose affairs are dealt with through mutual consultation. This verse is a description of the believers and we find that Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih, he consults various administrative bodies when making important decisions to do with the administration of the community or matters to do with faith itself. Now the Holy Quran is complete, the Islamic teachings are complete and perfect, they don't require any further addition. But the reason we have a Khilafat is because the implementation of Islamic teachings in every passing day requires some form of interpretation. So whether we're talking about the era of social media, the era of the internet, or the era that we uh, are experiencing nowadays, which is a global pandemic, we require some form of interpretation and direction in implementation. And that we get from the divinely guided leadership of Khalifa al-Masih. A dictator tends not to keep a close bond with their followers. They don't tend to keep a very close tie with their subjects. But the Khalifa al-Masih has a very close and personal relationship with each and every Ahmadi Muslim around the world. The Khalifa al-Masih writes to his followers. The Khalifa al-Masih meets with his followers almost on a daily basis. And this is something which the Khalifa does to ensure that his followers are well and that they're pursuing the highest goals possible in every sphere of life. So is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship? The answer is no, it is not a dictatorship. It is far from such a thing. The Ahmadiyya Khilafat is such a leadership which the world is very unfamiliar with because there is no equivalent that can be drawn or parallel that can be drawn to it in the world that we know today. But the Ahmadiyya Khilafat is something that the world is in desperate need of. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Saturday Morning Live on The Voice of Islam Radio. It's the 23rd of December 2023 and you're listening to me, Hamza Vanderman, and I'm joined here by my co-presenter in the studio here at Morden, Saif Ahmed. 
How are you doing, Steph? Good, good. Um, all well. Uh, I think just uh, getting ready for all of this holiday season uh, to sort of kick off. A few, what do you call it? I would say a few uh, mornings uh, of not having to rush off to a train uh, is, uh, is is quite welcome, really, at this part of the year. <laughs> Have you been working this week? Uh, no, actually. I'm, uh, uh, I've already taken some time off and... Uh, yeah, you know, just uh, getting... Uh, enjoying the spirit. Enjoying the spirit, yeah. Like I said, late mornings in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not having to do any uh, um, any school runs or anything like that. So, it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's a nice holiday season, isn't it? It is, <laughs> it is. No, and I think, I think this is the type... It's one point of the year where actually you find across the board most people sort of switch off, so... It does. It's a sort of marked difference to sort of any other holiday uh, that you have, where um, it is actually incredibly quiet uh, in terms of work. Uh, you know, so time uh, with you, the family, time at home. It's nice. Exactly. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an interactive program uh, here today. We're going to go through a number of topics, um, but if you want to get in touch, please do so. Our telephone number is 0208 687 7878 uh, or on the socials at Voice of Islam UK. So as usual, we're going to go through the week's uh, news topics, have a look at what's been going on, discuss those, uh, and as I say, welcome all views. Uh, and then I think 23rd of December, we're, we're approaching that final that final week of the year and so we thought it would only make sense to have a look back at some of the big news stories that we've been talking about all year long uh, and those big moments that have happened through the year uh, we forget sometimes actually that some of them happened in 2023 and actually sometimes mm. we forget that some of them it's happened true. in uh, 2022 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it depends. usually depends what type of news it is isn't it <laughs> I had to check when uh, Liz Truss was our Prime Minister whether that happened at the beginning of the year or last year and I can confirm that was 2022. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah, it was 2022. We've been... It was just like yesterday. <laughs> and I think we've been dealing with the repercussions all yeah. year. That's a different That's a different uh, matter, but it was oh. actually last year. But as I say, some of those things merged. But we'll have a little look back at what's happened uh, this year, what's been happening this year. Uh, and then also, you know, what's going to happen next year? Mm. What's what do we what do we think is going to happen? What are the big stories that are likely to be discussed and influence and impact all of our all of our lives? Seventy elections across the world next year. Uh, seven zero elections. That is a lot of elections affecting four point two billion people. That is over half the world's population mm. uh, are going to be involved in some sort of uh, democratic vote to elect their leaders. That's going to have a huge impact uh, across the world for people. Uh, and of course, two big elections for us to discuss: the UK and the US elections are back. US elections always make me scared uh, and, uh, and that is uh, that is no different uh, next year but we'll come on to the specifics of that later so to kick start with the news agenda for the last week obviously the big story big events happening in the world continue to be uh, the conflict the war in Israel and Gaza there was some uh, relatively good news positive news uh, overnight 
uh, I say relatively good news um, uh, because it wasn't as far reaching as people had hoped, uh, but it was not as bad as had possibly been expected a few days ago uh, with the US expected to um, veto uh, the call for expanded humanitarian aid getting into Gaza. It didn't happen. They abstained on the vote. And so what was voted through was a urgent expanded humanitarian aid package for Gaza uh, and the call for the creation of conditions for sustainable cessation of hostilities. What does that mean in normal English? That means that the UN has voted for, all members have voted for um, more humanitarian aid to be able to get into Gaza. Amazingly, two abstentions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Russia, because they wanted the wording to be stronger and so abstain from the vote. And amazingly, the USA, again, abstaining from the vote, critically not vetoing it, but amazingly actually not voting for it, still abstaining as Israel's big ally. Um, They had wanted, um, uh, they they did not like the wording around the sustainable cessation of hostilities. But... No immediate ceasefire was called for, which was what uh, people, uh, humanitarians on the ground, lots of people around the world had been calling for. But at least uh, a package of humanitarian aid was agreed. And there were some words around uh, conditions for sustainable cessation of hostilities. I think what that really points to is um, calling for an immediate ceasefire calling for an immediate ceasefire essentially uh, asks... um, Israel to stop bombing yeah, Gaza, correct. but it puts no emphasis on uh, Hamas to uh, release more hostages. Yep. And I think the new wording, or the word, sorry, not new wording, but the wording that was agreed is to say sustainable cessation of hostilities. What does that require? Well, that doesn't just require Israel to stop bombing. It does also require action from Hamas in order, mm. uh, in, in terms of releasing hostages and also clearly for them to stop um, launching rockets at Israel. So I think that's yeah. where that's coming from. Obviously not as far as some people had hoped. hoped. 20,000, they think now on latest estimates, uh, dead in Gaza. Huge, huge death I think toll. 50,000 even injured, you know, you know, like in, in, in quite a in quite a critical state as well. So, I mean, the numbers are not, um, they're quite sobering actually in many ways. They're, so it's, uh, the numbers keep on ticking up. Um, and I think in light of what uh, His Holiness said in uh, the Friday sermon <clears throat> previous to this one was that, you know, he prayed for uh, the oppression to end. Um, and, you know, we we obviously, we, um, we, we follow suit from that as well. I mean, you know, the, the idea of a ceasefire... I think that <clears throat> we've, we've kind of fallen into this realm now of what the legalities of a ceasefire hold and but I think we sometimes forget I mean not that we sometimes forget I think we, we, we're we very uh, cognizant of the fact that there are real lives um, that are getting affected uh, now I mean and, and, and this and this recent war has uh, gone on for a lot longer and it has been a lot more brutal mm-hmm. than what we've seen in the past and what are we to make of the international response to this? The UK and I think Germany, 
over the last week have strengthened their yeah. positions in terms of um, calling on uh, Israel to be more wary of absolutely uh, the precision of their strikes and the death toll. I think the exact words were they are it is too much mm. mm-hmm. and they need to rethink their approach. So, but the US clearly haven't. Or, or think, or, or maybe they think they can have more influence by continuing to be friends and privately discuss the matter. Privately. I don't know what you think about the. I mean, I, I, yeah, when it comes to the US, I think it's um, they're obviously they're they're in a political bind, right? I mean, you know, they have always uh, they've always had this very strong relationship with the state of Israel and um, have always garnered that relationship. Um, it does seem apparent currently that whilst they've sort of thrown a lot of support I think the support is beginning to wane a little bit as you said you know with this resolution yesterday of course it's not what we sort of hoped uh, you know I think and and I say this for I think most people and I, I you know the majority of the world do want a ceasefire um, they do want the hostilities to end um, but you've seen <clears throat> with the US sort of continuously backing up until this point where they've now at least an abstainment I think is a um, I think I I think it is a signal as to where the US the direction of travel that they're going Um, and I think they are finding it a lot more difficult to continue backing um, this this war Um, I think it's becoming increasingly more difficult to defend I think there is a politics behind it because more and more people are turning away from the idea that this is a fair war. Um, and uh, we've seen it in, as you said, you know, Europe, the UK, who have also been big backers of the Israeli state, have uh, also um, started uh, being a little bit more uh, pushy towards uh, finding an end uh, towards the hostilities. So I think there is a general move in that direction. I think there is a problem in Israel. The problem that you have in Israel is the current government require a lot of support from the right wing. I think everyone knows that Netanyahu himself has his own domestic issues um, and is actually holding on to power for dear life at the moment purely because I think if he was to lose it, um, there are a number of... um, there are a number of legal cases against him himself. Um, he's, I think, for the large part, because he needs the right wing um, of uh, the right wing of Israeli politics to sort of continue backing him. He has taken this very very strong approach, um, and uh, it is it, 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 and it, it is. I think that's where we are at. I think there is a there is an internal politics which is uh, deciding how this war is being carried out. Um, you're seeing it more and more. Even for example, the uh, the families of the hostages mm. have also been um, uh, calling for a ceasefire. Um, they are also in favour now of uh, reducing the hostilities, especially, I think, after last week when mm. we saw the very, very sad uh, situation where the IDF um, uh, uh, the IDF managed to kill their own, mm. uh, you know, c- kill, kill their own hostages. Uh, sorry, not their own hostages, but hostages that uh, were obviously of uh, Israeli descent. 
and um, you know waving a white flag, and they've now got themselves. So I, I, and I think there is that there is this issue, and um, I think a lot of countries are now sort of trying to figure out how do you how do you resolve this issue because you, it is very difficult to to, to negotiate that um, that ceasefire when mm-hmm. when you have all of those sort of undercurrents sort of running in in, in the interim. Yeah, the politics of this. Um make the situation horribly messy and difficult. Yeah. As you say, the right-wing uh, uh, government in Israel and how that coalition has had to be formed means um, what it does in terms of settlements, even in the mm. West Bank as well. I think the other problem, clearly, is on the on the Palestinian side, you have the, uh, the same political issue where, um, you know, the violent actors, Hamas, have actually been able to show something or some sort of resistance mm. uh, whereas the Palestinian Authority, <coughs> Fatah and the West Bank have been able to do nothing mm. and therefore they don't have any support mm. either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so no, yeah. there's no par- there are no parties on either side able to sit down and negotiate any sort of agreement that would be backed by the populations and you're yeah, absolutely a huge, right. That's a huge yeah. problem. You no, know, yeah, I mean, and, you, you know, you, I mean, you mentioned very clearly that it's uh, you know, and one has to sort of wonder who's who's the only beneficiaries right now of this war, um, and really the only beneficiaries of this war are a the right wing government in Israel, and b the um, the probably the more extreme part of mm-hmm. Palestinian politics, which is Hamas, um, and you know it is of course it's in their benefit. You know, like the more bloodshed, the more mm-hmm. uh, you know, the more you see things like this, the more they garner support. Um, and uh, it is. It's. It's. It's a. It's a. One. One can only pray that this sort of never-ending cycle is. Um, is sort of. You know, brought to some sort of end. It's. 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 It's getting. You know, as, as you said, it's getting worse by the day. This. This. This is not getting better at the moment. And um, one does have to. I mean, you know, and we are left to the devices of God now. You know, I. I, th- I really think we are at that point. Um, uh, I think the dipl- the diplomatic angle has to continue, and th- th- there will the the only way that they will be able to get out of this is through some sort of diplomatic settlement. But it does appear at the moment that nobody really wants to speak to each other from the from the opposing sides. I com- I completely agree. I think the 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 prayers here are the only way forward. It will need uh, you know my uh, current view is that it will take some some extraordinary action uh from both sides to reach uh, an area where both compromise significantly and reach an agreement mm. and that can only be done uh through divine intervention so our prayers are with all the people um impacted affected loved ones there on the ground and we hope that the hostilities and peace can be found as soon as possible on to the UK. The big story this week in, bet- in, in better economic news for once was that inflation <laughs> was down to 3.9%, yeah. uh, the lowest for two years. 3.9% inflation obviously still means that prices are increasing <laughs> yeah, yeah. by 3.9%. doesn't mean <laughs> the prices are fast, coming down. Yeah. They're just not going up quite as fast. <laughs> and it is, of course, still double the 2% target that we've yeah. been used to for so long. So... 
Well, this I mean, is a classic not... example of everything being relative, but <laughs> yeah. um, it is down from those scary days of 10%, yeah, uh, yeah. and and therefore we should look at it optimistically, should we, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> this is... Uh, I mean, I think uh, when it comes to inflation, I, I think there's always this... Um, there's always a trade-off between good inflation and bad inflation, right? And um, I think we've got ourselves caught in bad inflation for quite a long while, which is essentially when it's led by the uh, supply of things, uh, the supply of things going, uh, getting more expensive, rather than actually our demand for those um, uh, for those goods getting higher. I mean, on the one hand, if if our demand is going higher, that means we're obviously obviously going through a lot of economic growth. And, you know, we want, you know, uh, we're more able to spend things. So, you know, people are a lot more, um, uh, people are a lot more willing to sort of part with their cash for for, for items. Um, but in this particular instant, it's it's been a very supply. And this has been, for example, you know, you take oil shocks, uh, the, the, the oil shock that we faced uh, straight after the Ukraine-Russia war. Um, you've had uh, you also had that sort of uh, upbeat of demand from sovereign nations uh, post COVID when everyone was suddenly beginning to open up and people wanted to travel more, people wanted to do X Y Z a lot more. So you had uh, you know there was there was obviously a big uh, uplift in uh, the prices of commodities, um, which ended up filtering down to uh, essentially the middle and the working classes, which has been which which is actually more troubling because you haven't really sort of seen wage inflation. Uh, stay in on on track with that. I mean, there has been some wage inflation, but not to the not to the same levels that we've seen on um, uh, inflation of goods. So it's it's um it it's it's actually been a very difficult process because on the uh, you know you you said that uh, you rightly said that inflation has come down, but you know prices are still going higher. However, we've also seen uh, negative economic growth. And um, some of the stats um, that we, you know, look back have been revised downwards. So actually, we <clears throat> it almost looks like we might be sort of falling into a technical recession in the early part of next year. So that's never good inflation. Uh, never good inflation if you're not having economic growth. You see, on the one hand, but you're still having the price of goods rise. Um, that is troubling. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of uh, 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 how would how would you say you, you know with the government being incredibly the, the government sort of claiming responsibility I guess for the fall in inflation um, when I would probably argue that it's probably a little bit more the uh, the, the um, movements made by the Bank of England um, which is an independent body that decides uh, interest rates that have probably garnered that uh come down but it does it does show that we we are in a very very precarious position at the moment because things are getting more expensive um we don't have as much economic growth and um we're sort of uh, we could end up falling into this deflationary spiral um which we haven't you know, I mean to be honest I think most people will not have actually really felt it in their lifetimes I mean uh, many people went through a financial crisis, saw that in you know in in o eight um but uh if you look back in history, this is probably more akin to what was seen in the sort of late nineteen eighties early nineteen nineties um uh you know this this kind of huge inflationary spike with a recessionary backdrop 
it's actually not very pleasant, you know, and it does take quite some time to sort of build yourself out of it. So I think there's there's a lot. <laughs> there's a. So it's I, not optimistic. We're not we're not looking ahead optimistically on the I, economic front. I, unfortunately for me, I I, I and, and you know it's it's not. I try not to be pessimistic about these things, but I I, I think we're 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 in for a rocky road, um, the early part of next year, and um, you know as you mentioned earlier, very rightly, I mean you know we we now have. Uh, uh, we we could probably you know we, we we are very likely to see a political shift um, uh, in the next election. Uh, we have got an election on the horizon. Um, you're starting to see both sides of the aisle slowly ramping up, you know, rhetoric on how to spend. But at the same time, it's a very muddled muddled conversation because. Uh, you know, as far as we know, we haven't got enough money, but at the same time, they need to do some infrastructure spending. We've seen things like HS2, which, you know, quite frankly, could have been could have been a big boost for us. We'll never know now because uh, it's been rolled back to, a, to, to such a state now that um, it's very unlikely that it's going to pick up from where it left off. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just unfortunate. I think, you know... It, I would be a little bit more concerned about the the state of uh, British economics uh, coming into next year. Uh, but you know, again, we pray, <laughs> we pray that I'm uh, that I'm completely wrong. <laughs> and um, so the, the the new stats mean pe- people are uh, you know immediately jumping uh, to uh, discuss and raise the prospects of uh, interest rate cuts early mm. in 2024. Do you think that's sound sensible? Do you think that's I th- realistic? I think it's the only way that they'll be able to get out. I, I think it's the easiest lever to pull um, for the Bank of England to at least uh, to ensure that we don't spiral into recession. Um, I think at some point we will be talking about rate cuts um, and it will be an early part of next year at some stage. I think it's already sort of priced in. So the next uh, rate-setting meeting is in early February, I think. Yeah. Um, and so that is the next opportunity that the Bank of England has to uh, cut uh, mm. interest rates. I think, I mean, they, they will probably, yeah, they'll probably keep a very close eye on what inflation is looking because obviously we've got this, we've got this holiday period now as well where we do see, you know, like a little bit of uptick in spending, um, and how that uh, chocolates are up fifty percent. Chocolate. That's again commodity prices. Prices of, prices of chocolate are up fifty percent versus last year. Yeah, yeah. Commodity prices, right? You know, like your cocoa beans and things like that. They're all beginning to cost a lot more. You know, and uh, it's not so much the um, uh, it's not so much uh, what the what the supermarkets and you know what your local store is trying to sort of charge you. It's that or, or think that they can get away with. It's actually. What it comes down to is it, it's it's costing them a lot more to sort of manufacture and and distribute these uh, things. So, do you work for a chocolate company? Um, I don't know. I should, <laughs> should, should, should have should have shares in them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably need to keep my my intake down. <laughs> okay, so mixed news on the inflation, energy bills. I think similarly mixed story. Um, the subsidies have clearly yeah. uh, come off this year. So although your unit price of energy has come down versus twelve months ago. You, people may be looking at their bills and saying, "How come, how come it's, it's the more, same, yeah, or, or more?" more. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. is because the government subsidy that you had, that everybody had last year, 
um, now been is now gone. Yeah. And so yeah. amazingly, that's that the, <laughs> the cost of your energy bills is probably the same, or maybe even higher. Um, and then that price is then going up again marginally in January. Yeah. Um, where the new price cap will go up from eighteen hundred thirty-four to nineteen twenty-eight. So, mar- yeah. so so a marginal increase. But then they are we are expecting the econ the economists and the uh, energy price forecasters are looking at that coming down a little bit to 1660 in april so it looks like the direction of travel you know obviously barring uh big uh shock factors to the system hopefully energy prices can then from then on in start to come down and hopefully next next winter we've got more reasonable uh, energy bills what do you think yeah i mean it's a a bit of a double-edged sword because on the one hand you almost want a recession because that would be an almost no i mean i I say it in the sense that you almost want a recession because in effect what it does is it stops people from spending it means that you know like we haven't got enough money to sort of go around and demand for products suddenly goes down as well Mm -hmm. so you know the price of things suddenly will you know price of oil the price of gas the price of um again you know like when you look at sort of your general commodities um and whether they be industrial or agricultural commodities you know like they all start sort of coming down because there's less demand which means things become uh cheaper um you know so we we go through a sort of deflationary sort of period of time where prices may even come down a little bit um uh, so one could almost say that that's you know it, it's almost what the, what the, what the market needs because um short and sharp though yeah and, and exactly and that's what you hope it to be you know like it has to be short and sharp because on the other hand you know in a recessionary environment we have a lot of people that are unemployed mm-hmm. and out of jobs and you know, struggling to sort of make ends meet, and uh, that's never a pleasant place to be either. So, um, look, we had this kind of we, we, COVID itself. I think did have a major impact on everything. You know, the lockdowns, um, the fact that we were all sort of uh, sitting away did did have did have a major major impact because, uh, in in the sense of as soon as we opened up, the world wanted to do everything all at once immediately. Um, and uh, that did that did cause a m- massive massive spike in uh, demand uh, hmm. from you know like from a sort of from a from a uh, from a sovereign perspective you know like nations wanted to get themselves up and running um, as quickly as possible. Um, pumped in I, a lot, nations pumped in a lot of money during COVID as well. Exactly. So I mean, and the whole thing has you know like so mm-hmm. we're. You know, if if you were to look at the figures, I mean, <laughs> if 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 you had personal finances like a lot of the sovereign nations, for example, the US or the UK, uh, Europe, Japan, even China now, you know, if you ha- if if your if your personal finances were similar to those to those countries, um, you, you'd probably be having to declare yourself bankrupt. But you know, that it's it's a it's a different economics, but you know, it is nonetheless. Um, it, the, the, I, I think this is the this is the issue that a lot of economists have is that when you look at it from the outside in, it's it, it's it's a very difficult um, it, it's a def- very difficult balancing act, and we do seem to have been completely tipped the other in one direction. One does wonder what the end game is uh, of of it all, really, and you know, and how do we do we manage to find out say out, or do we have some sort of revolutionary? Sort of, you know, like act that 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 will change change the whole course of economics, or 
I mean, and you know, it, it's sad to say, but you know, in the past, the only way the world has sort of managed to get themselves out of it is through a war. You know, it's almost through, through, you know, if you look at, you know, after, you know, World War One, World War Two, all came, all, all uh, what preceded them was always, you know, like big economic shocks, um, and essentially we had boom times after after those things happened, and you also need to look at growth areas at the moment. A lot of those growth areas have developed themselves. So China, India, you know, like they're actually developed nations. There's not much more growth that you can sort of get out of it. Maybe places like Africa might be the next uh, areas of growth. But um, you know, it's 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 funny because we're actually running out of places that can that can sort of stem that big uptick in growth like we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um interesting story for the festive season it always gets uh, talked about here so i thought it's worth mentioning and that was uh, in italy this year uh, schools are being uh, fined um if they uh, decide not to put on a nativity play oh really yeah <laughs> and if they go for one of those modern woke holiday season yeah, yeah. productions <laughs> they're going to get slapped with a slap with a fine children, what, right? what do you, what do you yeah. make of that so okay. is, is your young is your you've got a daughter I've right? got a daughter so she started school in September so she's in reception did you did she, she did have she did have a nativity uh, I think slightly differently she's at a uh, Christian school Right, she's at a church school, <laughs> um, so I would expect there would be. Yeah, I would yeah, yeah. There would be real up for yeah, to yeah. Uh, continue for as long as for as long as possible. But I do hear about nephews and nieces um, <laughs> singing the most uh, banal holiday season <laughs> songs. And uh, I don't, who's who is who is? I mean, what what have you got? Firstly, what have your children got? So, so I've got I've got a I've got a ten year old, I've got a seven year old, and a four year old. So we we I mean the the oldest one he doesn't do nativities anymore but, but does he do a holiday does he do a holiday celebration production or something no no Nothing. actually they, no they don't but i mean the younger two did and uh so we so we went and watched uh two nativities my, my Nativi- daughter. actual nativities yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Proper well, i mativities. mean no no the, i mean i don't know how to put it there was one so my older son who's uh seven mm-hmm. his was more i would say it was almost some sort of pantomime but following the story of the birth of, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Hadisa, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, that, and, uh, so, the bro- so there was, there was, no, I mean, it was definitely part of it, as, yeah. as was my daughter's. Yeah, was, okay, okay, so you, okay, so but there was, for example, test. so, for, but for example, they, they there was, I, I, one thing I noticed was there wasn't very many like hymns, you know, like in our day, I, mm. I know when I was younger, you know, like when you did a nativity, it would be more like hymns and. Okay. Those kind they of things. spiced up the songs. Yeah, no, there, there was this song. There was like this Spanish song that you know, like my daughter sang. I mean, she's, I mean, she's in reception as well, and they were singing this Feliz Navidad. You yeah, know, come like, on, you're happy, just that's Happy Christmas in Spanish. Spanish, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's lovely. Were, yeah, yeah, no, no, but I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, it wasn't a hymn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like a pop song which they had taught. Yeah, that's so right. So I think, I think that's what they. I mean, they've tried to make it more interesting, and uh, um, that's all right, though, isn't it? It's when it's no, just exactly. when it, it's, it's yeah. when there's not when there's no. I think. I, I think I think the concern. Well, not the well. Yeah, I guess the concern is, uh, uh, and I don't know who's who is complaining about them. <laughs> That's the other thing. But I mean, I, I mean, think you can, I, I, and it's funny. It's you know, you say that. Um, I have actually found there have been some people that have been uh, negative because my my children also go to a church school. 
Oh, but, right. So they're, oh, okay. So that's why you've still got the nativity. So we've still got the church school. No, but I mean, oh. but there, there was, no, no, I mean, we, we still have it. But what I've noticed is that, that there have been some families that have been quite negative towards, you know, like those kind of nativities. You can't send your children push. to a church school. Well, this, and is, then well, this about is exactly, I mean, you know, we, 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 we've actually, you know, we, we, we've said something similar. It's like, you know, if you've chosen to send your school to a certain, you know, which has a church, uh, which has that sort of uh, church atmosphere or is at least representing the church. Yeah. Um, you, you can't really complain about it. But yeah, I, you, we have actually had it. And mainly, if I'm going to be very honest, they're, they're mainly atheist uh, yeah, okay. families that have yeah. been... That have been uh, and I think I would, I would go as far as not the ones that are just agnostic or, you know, like they, they say they're atheists. Uh, strongly atheist, yeah. But very strongly atheist. And, you know, like have actually sort of complained that... Um, and they're the ones that have actually asked for their children not to be to participate in uh, uh in some of these uh in some of these events um so look i mean each to their own but i agree with you <laughs> on the one hand you're accepting the uh the education that's being provided uh by the church but on the other hand you don't want uh... okay so i think i think uh, i think in a church school environment that's a very um specific case i think yeah. um but in a normal uh in a normal state school you know, twenty years ago, there was no doubt. Well, we are seeing there's no doubt academy. you would yeah. be. You yeah, know, yeah. there's no doubt. Twenty years, thirty years ago, you. You know, I remember. No doubt, you're doing a nativity play now. It might yeah. have uh, you know some fun songs rather than yeah, hymns, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's but it's on the whole. It, it, yeah, it's yeah, on the yeah, story yeah. of you know yeah, the holy, yeah. pro, uh, the holy pro, um, Jesus birth. That is yeah. the story, and it will be loosely around that, right? Correct. And I think, as you say, there are more and more, uh, and I've seen them from nephews and nieces, where it's just a kind of pop production of songs and yeah. dances. Yeah, more yeah. Uh, nothing to do with uh, the, the the nativity story, and obviously it's. Because because of those complaints that you've mentioned, and on the one hand, I get it. It's a state school; is you know not supposed to be guided um, uh, religiously, mm. and I get it. You want to be welcoming to everybody. You don't yeah. want to make anybody feel uh, uncomfortable. Any of the children, yeah. Um, but I mean, that is the story of Christmas. It is exactly, uh, and so I, I, I feel like you can't you can't have it both ways. Christmas no. isn't a um, it's not an agnostic, unreligious <clears throat> yeah, celebration. Yeah, 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 it is yeah. a religious, yeah. well, at least it's supposed to be, yeah. you know, a religious celebration. So I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously, obviously the whole purpose of Christmas has changed over time, right? I mean, you know, like we've sort of seen an evolution and uh, it's it's become a time of year where people tend to you know where where the idea of family and you know those are those mm -hmm. are all important and they're good and they're good things and they're very good things you know like we <clears> i mean we have it you know look, look we have it in our own faith you know like we have our eid celebrations for example you know uh, at the end of ramzan when we had when we have uh, eid al-fitr uh, you know the celebration that the month has come to an end and you know we we it is a very family orientated mm -hmm. experience and i think it's and I think you know that all of these celebrations are designed for that. You know, it's it's, it's almost to remind yourself of you know whether the sacrifices that you made, whether you know, and and it's a it's a sort of coming together of people. And I I, I think that's been brought together. We, we had this um, we have had this conversation in the past, and I think you know it's it's probably one that is about decades and decades old. The sort of commercialization of Christmas. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. I feel like that also has sort of it's it's been watered down over the years, uh, or it's almost like people are beginning to accept that it did get a bit too commercial. And I I feel like it's less 
that than it used to be. I still think that is there's obviously a lot more spending during this time, but you've had people, you know, you've you've had people like uh, who's, uh, this guy Martin Lewis, yeah. you know, like the mm-hmm. the um, uh, the sort of finance expert uh, or you know helps people with their finances. Um, but if you look at what he's been, uh, the, there has this been move away from like just buying for the sake of buying mm-hmm. during Christmas, and uh, you know I, I've seen that from a lot of families as well. Uh, more recently that for example they will scale back in just buying for the sake of it they won't get themselves into debt anymore um and you i think you've also sort of seen that in some of the i, I don't know i mean just personally uh, you know like in, in the way the adverts have sort of come across you know they always make a big thing about the type of adverts that you know some yeah. of the major you know like major mm-hmm. retailers sort of produce I, I think we're in a different economic environment aren't we so yeah and, and i think but that do you calls... think it's just a con- is it do you I think, think it's so. just because of the economic environment or do you so. think there is a watering down of, of mm. christmas I, I think there's two separate things i think on the commercialization point i think it is still as commercialized as it ever was but i think even um you know your big retailers understand that in certain economic environments it would be it would be pretty crass to kind of really push that in your face and so mm. i think i think that's why you see the adverts change in the way they have been i think on the broad i think on the broader point about christmas i think you're absolutely right i think it's it's a nice time of year there are certain you know let's just say values around mm. spending time with your family uh having time having time off yep. uh, time off from work to reflect uh, it's at the end of the year so naturally there's a period and it's a nice time for reflection both uh, backwards looking and also mm-hmm. forwards looking so i think that that um, those things that are, are associated with Christmas more generally are, you know, good things and people want to embrace them. I mm. think, you know, s- using that to say that the celebration of Christmas, you know, should not refer to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the story yeah. of, you know, uh, oh, the prophet Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah. I think is... I find that odd, though, from Italy. Yeah, I find it odd that it's Italy because Italy being such a strong Catholic nation yeah. and you know probably to some degree i mean you know like now is the home of catholicism um i find that really odd no i think that, i think that's the point i think they've come out and said we do, you know because they are strongly catholic they've the same trends are at play in italy where i think schools modern liberal schools mm. think and I say it's not an easy judgment, but they say, you know, we want everyone to feel included. Yeah. And therefore, at the end of, you know, Christmas production isn't going to focus. And, and, and as a more Catholic, Christian, strong country, yeah. I think that government has decided, well, that is absolutely not on. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> that is right. absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. not a, acceptable yeah. here in Italy in the home yep. of the Pope. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to fine you uh, for doing for doing so. Right. Uh, so it's quite a strong response to yeah, yeah, that yeah. movement. And I think, you know, for me, it's like, well, I think the schools would say we just want to put on a production <clears throat> that everyone can be involved in, and it's and to my mind that's absolutely fine. Do it at the end of the year in the summer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Call it a summer production. Summer, yeah. Don't do a Christmas production and pretend that it has not. You know, you got to educate the children, all children, mm. whether they're atheist or not, about what the religious the one of the main, is, main one. Yeah, but, and is. also, I mean, look, Christianity is one of the major religions in the world, and I think you know it's important. We do live in a otherwise Christian nation. Um, it is important for us, whether you agree with it or not, it is yeah. important for us to uh, understand, uh, you know, like the cultures, the uh, their 
um, interpretation of uh, history and you know like at least you know you, I think it's it's good to sort of at least understand it and uh, be, well, I mean you I mean you obviously grew up like at a time you know you've grown up in this country and as a young Muslim did you ever feel you know even during your primary ages or did you ever feel like you, you were left out of the whole Christmas sort of thing no, or did the, you find uh, it or did you find it I mean no, I mean I think not not particularly I, uh, I was involved in a lot of the nativity plays growing yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. them I yeah. I thought they were fun to they be were part, part of, of yeah, exactly. um, as I say I had no issue learning about uh, yeah. Christianity the, the stories that's that's not, that's part of our belief I mean you know within exactly. re- within reason interpretation that's yeah. part of our belief as well, well and, exactly. and, and so I had no problem doing it obviously as a young boy seeing friends yeah. get lots and lots of pretty Present. exciting presents yeah. and not receiving any of those you know that was a, a point, a point, a point, <laughs> a of, point. A point of contention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, but then you have Eve um, around the corner. There, usually, yeah, uh, exactly. there are many points of contention yeah, as, a, yeah, as, yeah. A, as a young yeah. boy trying to get stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I did, I did, a, I didn't, I didn't feel left out. Now I think it might be a case that, as you say, that people. Uh, there's been a there's been a stronger and that, look. I don't know. Maybe there maybe there are maybe there were other uh, children at school with no religious background, as you say, who thought, "What is all this? I feel totally excluded by this. I don't believe in this." And this is, you know, the school trying to indoctrinate indoctrinate me. Yeah. And you know, I can imagine parents thinking, you know, that's not on either. Yeah. So, but it, it does feel to me that you know, in a sense, uh, over time. <laughs> the the, sto- the actual reli- the actual story yeah. of uh, Christmas is gonna is gonna continue to be lost and watered down. I think that's mm. a shame. You know that is uh, it's a I think that is I don't think that is right, and I think that is a shame. Well, it is history, isn't it? At the end of the day, I mean, we sort of uh, uh, it whether you know whether it's whether it's historically accurate or inaccurate, you mm-hmm. know, it is it is still history, and you know we sort of have and to it's understand. A, it, it, and it's important for everybody to understand um, uh, the what other people do believe correct uh correct. to be true yeah um and whether you want to believe it or not it's important that the that children across the country Understand at least know it. what it is yeah, yeah now yeah. whether they want to participate in that nativity production or not okay yeah that's up to that's up to I each mean, it's, obviously it's up up to each individual but you know this the as i say you know in a four-year-old five-year-old's nativity production generally they're singing songs about good Good values, not mm. singing bad songs. Correct, these, are good, yeah. these are songs about yeah, yeah, yeah. good things. Generally, the nativity play is used to emphasise again that good values, uh, positive things. And I would have thought everyone can get behind most of those, even if it you know, has certain um, a certain bent. Exactly, and I think look, there is an acceptance, and you know, it's it's been written uh, by the fourth caliph, even the fifth caliph has touched upon it that. Also, the dates of Christmas don't particularly make sense, you know, like when we look at um, the historical facts. So um, there is things, but ultimately, what is the underlying message, I guess? And, uh, you know, the underlying message is is a, is a good one. Um, so, look, I like it. You know, it's 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 it's, uh, it, we, it's fun. <laughs> we've got to go to a short break. Hold that thought. We'll be back with you after the news. We're back on Saturday Morning Live here on the Voice of Islam Radio and you're listening to me, Hamza Vanderman, and I'm joined by my co-presenter today, Saif Ahmed. 
I hope you're enjoying the show. As I said at the beginning, uh, if we discuss anything you'd like to get involved with, um, this is an interactive show, and you can call on 0208 687 7878. That was 0208 687 7878. And on the socials at Voice of Islam UK. So we're just going through some of the uh, big news points of the of the week. So I think the last one that we do need to cover important developments on the immigration rules. It seems like this has been a story that that's been going round and round and round for years and years and years, <clears throat> ever since uh, well pre Brexit, post Brexit. Uh, immigration top of the agenda doesn't seem like any government can um, I say any government they've all been different uh, Tory government yeah, but diff- yeah, yeah. different yeah. prime ministers I should say different prime ministers and crucially different uh, uh, home office ministers who have come and come and gone yeah I don't think any has been a have been able to uh, let's say get a handle on both legal immigration and illegal immigration. Let's remember these are two different, yeah. two yeah. very different uh, types of immigration. <coughs> illegal uh, generally is the the boats, the small boats that we see crossing the channel, um, and legal immigration, legal uh, legal uh, individuals who come over, both able and able to apply for both asylum legally, uh, and also those who are able to come to the UK uh, economic migrants as you were, and able mm. to uh, welcome to the UK because expats. they do certain, <laughs> you can call them expats, yeah, yeah European Sorry. expats yeah, yeah. Um, who uh, come to the UK and are able to contribute economically yeah. uh, and socially uh, and therefore um, are welcomed, and you know, those numbers numbers have it is a fact those numbers have been going up you you can argue around whether that matters or not um, but those numbers both legal and illegal have both been going up over the last uh, decade the conservatives have uh, been on the record as uh, saying they're going to sort this uh, well say sort this out reduce those numbers um, because lots in the country do feel that they're too high again both legal and illegal um, but those numbers keep going up. So the latest attempt by Rishi Sunak uh, is that from spring 2024, this is for the legal, this is for legal immigrants, uh, they will now need a job offer with a higher salary. So it used to be, and it, it, sorry, the immigration system is still based on a points-based system, uh, which includes things like you get points for whether your family are already here, you get points for whether the job that you have is more needed in the UK. So let's think uh, social care worker, let's think NHS worker, mm. obviously more demand for that than, let's say, um, uh, insurance broker, of which I randomly picked that out, but I feel <laughs> yeah. there are many of those in the in the yeah. UK and you don't need to, somebody coming from um, you know a different country in yeah. order to fill that void. Whereas social care workers, NHS workers, obviously we're short uh, of those uh, and therefore you know people coming from around the world saying that they can do that should be welcomed and are welcome mm-hmm. so points based system but that new higher salary in order to uh, in order to start it used to be 26,200 yep. pounds <laughs> which is actually I think about the average salary across the UK is something around that number it's now gone up from that amazingly it's a big increase 38,700 you now need to be earning in order to come yeah. to the UK um, and you need that job offer before you come there's They're no grace period back, haven't they as well oh have they yeah okay, okay. so well, it's retrospective as well, well yeah. <laughs> and, you need, <laughs> no. and you need the job offer before you come yeah. so it used to be that you'd come and I think and 6 look, months or 12 yeah. months to look now you've got to come with that job offer yeah. 38,000 
the other point to worth mentioning, and this is also this is a huge increase, family visa. So it used yeah. to be that if you had family here, your salary needed to be eighteen thousand pounds. So you didn't need a salary, you didn't need a job, and it needed to be eighteen thousand pounds. So if your husband uh, works in the UK and he wanted you for obvious reasons to come yep. to the UK with him, uh, it used to be that you needed to have a job with a salary of eighteen thousand pounds. What, this is, that has gone up to thirty-eight thousand pounds, seven hundred. That is more. That's more than I double. Think that might be the one that they rolled back on because um, uh, no, they did, they rolled it back, but not completely. It decreased to twenty-nine thousand. Correct. Yeah, it's that's sorry, a, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it is still yeah. a huge increase, eighteen thousand to now twenty-nine thousand yep. pounds. Uh, and we say there was um, uh, uh, a, um, a compromise and that it was reduced, but it's still going up to £38,000 mm. just over the course of time. So they have not said that, that, that this is 29000 It's just over the next four years. Well, I guess if they're still in government, yeah. uh, it would still go up to £38,000. And that, you know, that just means that spouses are not, and family members are not going to be able to come to see... People that, that live with people they're married to, doesn't it? That's a that is that is thirty eight. I mean, top rate of tax starts at the same exactly. number. Well, I, th- I mean, and I think that was the main sort of concern with with the whole thing. I mean, I think um, so. I, was, I mean, you know, sort of listening to uh, immigration specialists uh, earlier on. I think <clears throat> even the eighteen thousand barrier was, um, you know, for a large part they were saying it was, you know, even that was a little bit in their view unethical um, uh, purely because of the sort of range and what would be required for somebody to come in especially when you're talking about a spouse or loved ones you know like to join you um, that you've sort of got to meet a minimum threshold uh, to to be able to allow them to come in now some people will make that choice um, uh, to get to that point uh, raising it now to 29,000 <clears> and I think this it was the reality of the most recent figures. You know, I guess <clears throat> as a government, what they did was they had a look at um, some of these figures because last, I think it was last year, it was we reached levels of around seven hundred and sixty thousand. I think it was mm-hmm. uh, seven hundred and uh, it, it was a, it was a very large number. I mean, you know, like it sort of almost wasn't even double. I think it was like triple uh, the year before's figures, um, and. Uh, so we we had this huge uptick, and then when they actually sort of drove down in the numbers, <clears throat> a lot of those numbers actually consisted of partners that were coming over. Um, and I think they, they they decided to try and make that more difficult. Now, look, it's <clears throat> am I completely against it? Not completely. I I actually think that there are limits. I mean, I I've I've worked abroad. And, you know, even when sort of working abroad, there were there were very strict rules. Um, for example, I lived, you know, I'm, we I worked in Switzerland for uh, five or six years. Now, what, when we first went over and I remember tr- having to get my uh, residency card, um, I had to prove that I was earning a certain amount. I had to prove that, you know, like I was going to be in the country, I was going to be economically I, I was going to be taxed in that country that I wasn't a tax resident of any other country I had a lot of you know there was a lot of things to sort of ha- have to prove to be able to make that move into uh, into the country and um, I had to meet certain minimum thresholds so it's not it's not um, this is not um, different 
to any other nation. I think even France, for example, have become very, very stringent on their rules. I mean, yesterday, I mean, they actually um, uh, have been trying to tighten their immigration rules as well. I think the issue that we have is immigration has become a problem uh, in the sense of not so much. I, I mean, I'm I'm very much in favour of uh, migrants coming here. I think that's that's one of the easiest ways, not the, one of the easiest ways, but it's a it's a way of uh, garnering economic growth. It's usually it's a sign of a success of a, a country that people are wanting to come and work there, and there is a natural market force that mm-hmm. if those jobs are available, people will come, and you know, and they will need to be filled. If they, for example, uh, uh, look, and I also understand. On the other hand, we have infrastructure pro- uh, problems. You know, like the we are sort of struggling with infrastructure. Um, schools are getting full. The NHS is packed. You know, we hear all you know everything that we've heard in the past. Um, I think it's sometimes it is a failure of government. If you know, if you haven't pre-planned, if you obviously need the people to be economically active to fulfill certain requirements, roles, services. But if you haven't put in place a way of being able to manage um, all of those people coming in, there is a failure of governments uh, of not being able to uh, direct resources Mm -hmm. to sort of sustain that. Because ultimately, it is an investment for your future. You know, people come in, they work, they will start ultimately start paying taxes. And then, you know, essentially, they end up paying for the services anyway. Now, France already has has this issue because they also have a very... <clears throat> and I think we've seen this sort of rise of the right wing. I, I, I think that's... A, sorry, when, when I say right wing, but I'll say an anti-immigrant um, sort of rhetoric has sort of really, really picked up steam um, in the US, in Europe, in most of Western countries, shall we say. Um, uh, and uh, because... You know, because there have been large numbers that have coming in. People are noticing that, you know, for example, that that there are a higher number of people that are moving over. But the thing is, ultimately, a lot of people do assimilate. I mean, you know, if you take, you know, us, yes, you know, maybe the first generation that first came here, they would have found it difficult to integrate and, you know, like to, to be part of the thing, but they tried. And then, you know, within a couple of generations, um, most people do assimilate quite quite strongly. Um, look, ultimately, I think this whole issue about raising raising these thresholds and things, I think they're generally, I, I think they're actually generally moot points because I think ultimately, if you have a problem, for example, if you have a problem in the NHS where you can't get enough workers and the only place that you can get them are from abroad, you will have to somehow... You know, you you have to you have to bring them in, um, you know, or you have to raise the prices, you know, or sort of raise the wages of nursing staff, of doctors, and all of that to such high levels that you know that you have to almost push people, you know, like you you have to give them that financial incentive to want to do those jobs. Um, otherwise, we we are going to continuously be looking outside. I think. Um, we, you know, it, there there is there is a lot of questions, and it's a it's a very very difficult, complicated one. But I do think that when you make it your central target to reduce immigration, I think you're always just you're just setting yourself up for a fall a lot of the time. And we've seen it time and time again. You know, like you know, immigration levels have not dropped. You know, they've never you, you know they don't drop. They they keep on getting higher and higher, and especially into nations like this. Um, you know, we saw this Rwanda policy, which, 
you know, for what it's worth, I think is a completely, I, I, I think it's a nonsensical policy only because, you know, there's a maximum of 200 people out of 700 and I don't know, you know, like the 700,000 figure, <laughs> you know, that, that you're, you're going to be able to sort of offload 200 uh, to Rwanda a year. Um, at this huge cost, I think so some people estimating, you know, it costs nearly £180,000 per person that they have to have to re- re- resettle in Rwanda um, is going to be a cost to the taxpayer. I, 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 I mean, I think I think both I think both the Rwanda <clears throat> policy and these uh, these new uh, salary figures for I, I can only be political posturing. Yeah. You know, my, yeah. You know it's, it's, it's to get some head when you have lost all control. Uh, of the ability to uh, manage those mm. immigration, both legal and illegal, you got to be shown, or you have to. I think the government it, it has decided. Well, forget the reality. We just have to um, show at least that there are things being done. Which is why they're so desperate to send one person on an aeroplane to Rwanda so they can show that there is a policy and somebody has been sent to Rwanda. And secondly, on these rules, it shows that they're doing something. Yeah. And that, even if it only affects five people, uh, there's uh, some headlines and it shows that the party's trying to do something. And I think, sadly for all of us, when you're in election season and you've got a government that's been in power for, uh, what is it, 12 years now or something? Yeah. Uh, yep. 13 yep. years. Yeah. Um, devoid of ideas run out of ideas run out of energy bickering amongst themselves yeah. you know most of the time i think the policies that we're going to see you know uh, spoken about talked about increasingly just being about um yeah. uh, headlines and trying to ensure that they you know don't lose an, frankly don't lose an election, election as badly as they might, might do. do we'll come on to those uk elections in a in a bit when we when we do the forward looking piece but mm. i i think on immigration that's what it all what it's Absolutely. all about nowadays is headlines and and appearing tough yep uh, not not empathetic not policy that might work or not policy that will be effective or for the just tough exactly policy well, and i think tough. if you look at the type of people that are actually sort of really pushing it you know um you know but very clearly like people like uh Suella Braverman uh you had the immigration, uh, you know, the immigration minister that also resigned. Um, you know, you've had these people that are acting very, and you've got this sort of, you know, this this slightly, I would say slightly, <laughs> you know, this right wing part of the Conservative Party, which uh, have been very, uh, very strong on this point. I mean, you know, people are talking about Nigel Farage now, sort of, you know, potentially could be running on a running on a ticket with someone uh, to be the next conservative leader because that's how far they, they're going. Um, uh, but it is, uh, like you said, there's a posture, posturing. I think they've almost accepted that this next election cannot be won. So it's almost like a, uh, there's quite a few of these guys that are sort of putting themselves up, you know, like making it very clear where they stand yeah, on it yeah. um, in order to be able to... Be the next leader. Be the next leader. And... Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, it would be it will be interesting to sort of see where where the where the conservatives do end up in the next after the next election. 
and how much we'll support save, we'll they save, actually have. Yeah, save yeah. that. Save those. Save your thoughts on that for when we uh, look Bridge ahead. That subject. Exactly. Yeah. I think what's worth doing next. It's obviously been, as I say, we're twenty third of December. One mm. week. One week uh, of the year to Left. go. Yeah. And I thought it might be worth uh, just having a look back at some of the some of the big stories. So some of the stuff that happened. What didn't happen this year, Liz Truss, as we discussed, yeah, but the yeah. aftermath, we've yeah. all been uh, dealing with the aftermath for the year. Uh, we obviously had the big coronation. Mm. I can't believe that you have uh, would have forgotten about where, <laughs> oh, you, were, where, oh, you, yeah. where you were on that day, <laughs> so, uh, waving your flag, I'm no doubt, on the mouth. Uh, yeah. In my red, white and blue suit, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one of the big stories, I think one of the big stories of the year, um, well, actually, it's, it's, obviously, it's obviously been going on for the year, hasn't stopped yet, which I think even in itself, not many people would have predicted the Russia-Ukraine war. Mm. You know, we don't discuss that much on this show anymore. It's just almost taken as a given as something that's going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think <clears throat> people thought that was almost going to be a bit of a short, short, sharp, you know, Russia come in, take some territory that it that it sees as being theirs historically mm. or, you know, or do some sort of regime change or something, yeah. you know, whatever their objectives were. Instead, they've been lulled, brought into this long, long uh, military affair now, been going on for a very, very long time. Does that go on for the rest of, for the whole of next year? How does that come to a resolution? How does that, how does that war end? Yeah, because I think, I mean, you, you're, you're right in saying, I, I, you see, I'm not sure that anyone... I don't think people did think it was going to be short. Um, I think many people sort of recognised, and this goes back to sort of, you know, when it began, I think there was a lot of um, political experts who were, say, you know, who were actually saying, no, Russia will never do it because there's nothing to gain from it. Mm-hmm. They'll just drag themselves into a long, uh, un- unwinnable war, so why do it? Um, and essentially that's what's happened. You know, that that has come, I think, within Russia there was probably a perception that, you know, they've got the bigger tanks, they've got the bigger might, they've got mm. this, they they literally roll it over in sort of, you know, half a week, mm. be given some of their land and everyone can go go on. But the reality was that that didn't happen. Um, and I don't think it can happen because now the West have, um, they, they you know, they've been pretty staunch in their support. Um, mm-hmm. Whether, and, and I think... So how for does a, it? How does it? Yeah, end but for a large part, this 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 becomes a problem because they've kind of set a stall, even though there is some backlash in the country. I mean, even in the UK, for example, we hear you know like should we really be giving this much aid to Ukraine? And you know the US definitely it's a lot more vocal there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know they don't really understand why the, why they're spending so much on a war, um, so many many miles away. Mm-hmm which has no effect on any of them, um, which could end up leading them into even a bigger, you know, bigger combat um, with, with with another nuclear power. It doesn't really sort of make, make sense and it doesn't bode well. Um, so for a large part, I think that's what we're, we're, we're sort of the seeing. Russians, the Russians, go, I don't understand why they, how, you know, their economy's in the doldrums. 
very badly affected. But they're right? surviving, right? They're survi- what? But that is, is, that's all the they're thing. doing. Is that, is that good enough for the population? Russian mean, look, I've, I've got Russian friends, and you know, like I, I sort of spoke to one, and I said, you know, <clears> and he said, look, ultimately the Russians do still. You've got to remember, they're not that far out of communist Russia. Mm-hmm. Many people still sort of uh, held that. You know, just like, low just expectations. Like, no, I mean, and he said, you know, like in, uh, you know, when I asked one in particular, you know, like he was a slightly elderly gentleman that lives in London now, and I sort of asked him, and I said, you know. I don't understand. And although he's very anti what Russia are doing, he said, but you, you've got to understand the mentality there. You know, mm-hmm. like he goes, you know, when I was growing up, we, he goes, we had cabbage soup for most of our meals. All that will happen is people will go back to just having cabbage soup, you know, if that's what's, if that's what's necessary. Um, and he says, you have to understand the psyche of, you know, like sort mm-hmm. of people, if it's not being, and if it's, yes, there's probably a lot more um, uh, pushback on, on Putin, on Putin about the whole war than there than there was with Stalin, you know, in the in the past. But um, ultimately, he has also shown, you know, like he's not he's not scared to uh, to remove anyone that questions him too much uh, if, if necessary. I think he's also uh, uh, one of the uh, elections coming up next well, well, exactly. year. We'll make yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can. Uh, <laughs> well, I can tell you what the result it. will be. <laughs> but he is one of those elections. That I think that's one of the ones that I'm pretty confident about what the what, what the result would be, mm. um, whether rightly or wrongly. That, that uh, you know. But um, look, I mean, it's a. It, it, I don't think it's going to end very soon. I really don't. Um, I think for a large part, also the focus definitely. You said, you know, like it sort of runs in the background. We don't hear very much about it. But the reality is, I think, you know, the problems in Israel and Palestine have taken a lot of the oxygen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, media oxygen up. Um, and I think that is more potentially more problematic um, and definitely sort of it, it's that I think has become more of a proxy war mm-hmm. if you see what i mean it's it's become more where does where do all of the global superpowers place themselves um and i think it's been very telling with how the un you know like has mm-hmm. where the votes have come from and who they've gone for um in uh, you know in the un security council so it's uh, i think battle lines are being drawn and i think that's why a lot of the oxygen gets mm-hmm. taken up with the israel palestine thing because i think with the ukraine russia you know, I mean, whether you know, depending on what side you look in, it's it's very clear who who's right and who's wrong. You know, whether you're looking from the West, then Putin's wrong. You know, uh, these guys are wrong. If you're looking from Russia, then or you know, like some of the uh, Axis nations of that, then the West is wrong and mm-hmm. <laughs> Russia's right. So you know, it's it is what it is. Uh, whereas I think this poses a bigger problem mm-hmm. in where people are actually setting out their stalls for the future. Sure. Well, look, people are very sadly uh, still dying in that conflict uh, the numbers continue to increase and so our prayers and thoughts go out to uh, go out to them and hopefully inshallah that can come to some sort of resolution um, in 2024 um, I think the other story that seems to have just uh, continued throughout the year 
just the number of strikes we've oh, had here yeah. in the UK. Train strikes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we just had a doctor, doctor strike. strike. Yeah. You've got another junior doctor strike happening in January, six yeah. days. So that doesn't look like the strikes are going to end anytime soon. Train prices still going up 5%. 5%, that's another big increase, isn't it? Oh, don't 5%, even, yeah. 5% train increases, <coughs> uh, pr- price increases, I think from the January the 1st. Yeah. Um, probably just in time for the next round of strikes. Um, teacher strikes. Um, um, lawyers strikes, barristers strikes. We've had a lot. We've had so many strikes yeah, this year really from, from yeah. organisations across the board, um, and I and I don't see that stopping in 2024. So what have you what have you made of all the strikes? Uh, I, I mean, look, year? I think some get some of your sports, some don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I'm, I, in general, I'm not I, I'm not in favour of strikes anyway. I mean, I understand why people do them, um, uh, but. But, you know, and it is, you know, like it's obviously unionization is a good thing. Um, having said that, I think sometimes, uh, uh, you know, as a, I guess even from our perspective, you know, from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, we tend not to do strikes. You know, like it's it's not, um, uh, you know, we we try and participate where where we are. We we've all accepted sort of roles in in society. Um, having said that, I do understand where uh, where some come from. I, I do understand. I think there's been a lot of pressure on this government. And I think that the reason has been is, for example, it, it becomes very difficult when, and I think people have become angry over the last few years. Uh, if you look at NHS workers, you know, we all sat, we all clapped them, you know, like for weeks on end. Um, during the pandemic um, and then almost immediately afterwards when they sort of wanted a in line with inflation price rise, they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was all sorts of negotiations that were sort of taking place to uh, to, to do that. <clears throat> and then when, the, when, when a government says, we haven't got enough money to do this, but on the other hand, you've just seen billions of pounds being spent on... Uh, the COVID recovery and PPE contracts, which uh, which are now, I mean, and you know, this was really telling. You know, last week we had this uh, this this very bizarre uh, BBC interview with, uh, uh, with with one of the benefactors of uh, of a contract um, who received quite a lot of slack for it. Um, understood that they had made quite quite a large profit on non-usable PPE. Sixty mil. <laughs> decent number decent number not yeah I know <laughs> fast track fast, fast track fast and then apparently it doesn't belong to them even though it's part of a trust which they're beneficiaries but it doesn't really belong to them <laughs> you know? I mean those kind of conversations you know I, I think it does make people angry um, and uh, we actually know, I mean and you know the figures the actual figures of lost PPE contracts and badly managed ones and ones that hadn't been delivered but uh, you know people running away with money you know, when 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 that sort of looks within the billions, uh, billions, and at the same time, you can't afford, you know, certain price hikes and things like that. This is, oh, sorry, sort of wage hikes. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I can understand why people would be upset. I can understand why people become, you know, uh, you know, my wife works in the NHS, and yeah, she, you know, that there, there, there is a feeling, a general feeling that you feel quite devalued at. Uh, at points, you know, like that sort of the, the work that you do is not mm-hmm. fully, uh, uh, fully valued. And, um, and uh, you know, you're almost sort of treated as you're just going to have to do it. 
you know whether you like it or not at this kind of price just get on and do it um so and they and they're, you know like and they all work in very sort of stressful environments as well um so it it's look the whole thing is not easy and i, I completely sort of you know understand where 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 the anger sort of comes from but i do think that it's sort of it, it, there is a general there is a general feeling right now it's 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 a quite a low feeling but we see that not to in, i i would say i also see it in the private sector you know people are people within the private sector aren't getting wage increases you know like a lot of companies under uh, under a bit of cost you've seen a lot of layoffs you know out of the big tech companies uh, a lot of them you know like sort of uh, really uh, smartening down the their numbers so you know you sort of see it along the uh, along the whole uh, spectrum right now that there is this uh, there is this big feeling of dissatisfaction um and that i th- i always think that that's quite worrying um and where it's going to end up i look i think there's also an ultimate push that uh, you know I, I think most conservatives would probably agree um and i don't think i think they do want them out you know like i think a lot of these i i, th- I think that everyone just wants a change now of government i think strike some sometimes you know has pushed for example nhs staff doing it um rail workers doing it um you know it, it's it's sort of i guess it just sort of shows the the failures of a government mm-hmm. or you know it, it exacerbates them and exaggerates them so um maybe they are just looking for a change now i think the other uh, problem with the strikes is in isolation um is you're able to step back and make a judgment in terms of whether you think that specific strike is necessary or not. So, yeah. for example, you may in isolation look at the um, the strikes occurring within the NHS, let's say nurses strike, and think that's valid. They mm. should get their 10% mm. pay rise or whatever it was. Um, and then you may look at the junior doctors strike and think, well, that's hypothetically not valid mm. or, or I'd be against that. Or you may look at the train strike, the train driver strikes and think, well, that sounds crazy that they, they don't want to use any of the modern technology. I yeah. kind of, The problem is when all of these strikes are just happening at the same time, it's very difficult to look, pick off each one in isolation. Yep. Uh, you know, that, that union was able to argue <clears throat> that pay rise for its members why don't you why can't you get me that yeah. and so both for the members and for the public i think it's very difficult to actually um uh, objectively come to some sort of assessment of which are valid of which are yeah. and i think you know because when i look at it i just think are oh, so many strikes happening all the time these mm. you know these are you know both from the government side and from the um from the organisation side, it's clear that there's just some politicking going on. Absolutely, yeah. And these organisations hate the Tory government and hate most of the ministers yeah, and want to yeah, stick it to them. And, yeah. and un- sadly for the public, uh, the government also wants to appear tough. Correct. It doesn't want to appear to be soft. So actually, they think it's in their interest to uh, fight against the yeah. uh, fight. And therefore, that means no, no agreement. And that means strikes. And who's the ultimate loser here? It's the general public who exactly. want to use the services. And so it's not a good situation to be in. And yeah. I think, sadly, we're going to see that roll on uh, in I 2024. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see much change in that. Uh, you're, you're completely right. I think uh, um, we, we probably will get more. Having said that, I don't know. Um, the fact that we have got an election coming up, um, maybe there will be a... Uh, maybe there will sort of be a 
slow um, uh, slowdown of them as as we prepare for it. And you know, it does look as if there will be a change of government. Um, I mean, barring barring some sort of exceptional turnaround of any kind, it, it looks like we probably will have um, a change of government. And I guess for a large part. You know, maybe that means that a lot of these unions do sort of sit back and say, "Okay, well, let's have a let, let's wait and see mm-hmm. with the new crowd whether we can have a we can have a different discussion." Um, yeah, so, and and look, let's move on to that. Let's let's look ahead for twenty twenty four. What we expect to see, what we expect to feel, how amazing a year it's going to be. We uh, that's we're optimistic people. That's what we plan for an incredible <laughs> year, the year of which we've never seen. Inshallah, uh, inshallah. Before, yeah. um, and I think the first thing, as we say, the first thing to look at is what they're calling election, elect, electorama. That's what they're calling yeah. it, election, electorama. And that is 70 elections uh, around the world, as I said earlier in the show, over 4 billion uh, people involved. That's over half the world's population, all electing their leaders um, for the next for the next term uh, at some point. Uh, next year um i mean that in itself is an amazing thing that so many countries in the world i guess have moved to a, a democracy mm. although i think the the view is that lots of those elections are going to show next year in particular are going to show the fragility of that democracy if that makes sense and yep. you know lots of strong autocrats uh, lots of strong um, um, uh, kind of autocrats and of people from the right wing seemingly in strong positions, you know, people who don't believe in democracy running uh, to be yeah, leaders yeah. To, in order yeah. to erode democracy. Big two elections, as you just mentioned, for us here and uh, and for listeners, that I think that are probably most of interest are, well, let's start with the UK where we live. Yep. Big elections. We don't know when they'll be. Um, they could be called at any point uh, of the year, which is, um, you know, in the, in the the one of the beauties. He's got to do it by and November twenty four. Am I right? Or I think it... no, no. I think he's got until I think he's got until the very end of the year, isn't he? Or not? Or is it November twenty five? Yeah, maybe, November uh, twenty five. I can't. I mean, as in, sorry, uh, is it twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five? I think it's, it's by January. Yeah, I think it's by early twenty five. So the right. expectation is, at some point next year following hopefully some good news for him if you're Rishi Sunak that he will uh, call an election there's some ran there are some sort of um, rumors that it might be sooner rather than later Mm. for various uh, again for various political reasons Uh, more mortgage rates going up through the year as as fixed fixed, uh, contracts run out and therefore he the the some of the speculation is that it would be better for him to do that sooner rather than later, so possibly uh, east around Easter. Uh, but most of the most of the predictions are for an autumn election next year, uh, giving him more time to do something. Uh, with the polls so bad, he basically needs wanting some time to do something because yeah. until then, uh, this could be his last. This could be Rishi Sunak's last chance as prime minister. Mm. And if you're prime minister, you every day every, every day counts. Every, yeah, accounts yeah, yeah. and yeah, therefore yeah. you know if you're not going to be in that position again he maybe he wants to call it as late as possible but anyway that's all speculation but what is what is real is that there will be election 
at mm. some point next year. Yep. And uh, and then we will have a campaign between. Or well, I say this as if that is fact. It could yeah. it could be that Rishi Sunak is dumped by the Conservative oh God, Party yeah, yeah. prior to that. Yeah, yeah. In, in a, it would be yeah. amazing, but we've seen them do some the uh, merry-go-round of we've, yeah, yeah. Exactly. we've seen them do some fairly amazing things. Um, no, well, I mean the fact that he's been in, back. he's been in for a year and a half, yeah. and uh, that's sort of seen almost as a sign of success that he survived this long. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> so we will see an election. The Labour Party, resurgent Labour Party under Keir Starmer, tr- uh, currently twenty points ahead in the poll. It's a huge lead that would see them. Uh, not quite in uh, if that if that was to come to fruition in a general election that would see them not quite in Tony Blair uh, landslide territory but pretty close it would mean kind of hundred seat majority big majority if it, if that was to come through so that is obviously one potential outcome the other potential outcome which I don't think can be uh, totally written off is um, actually come come the day of the elections whilst people are ready for a change ready to get rid of the Conservative Party they may not be quite convinced that Keir Starmer's Labour Party are ready and there may be some sort of small minority government where he has some he has a very very small majority or no majority at all or he needs to go into some sort of uh, coalition or some sort of agreement with the Liberal Democrats bringing them back to their uh, p- uh, time uh, moments of, um, of power but um uh, th- there's that. There's that whole range. I guess there are the, 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 the at the moment the smallest likelihood would be a conservative majority. I don't think anyone can see that happening. Yeah. Um, but if they can reduce the size of Labour's majority, we've seen how quickly things can change in yeah. the course of just one Parliament. Of course. They, uh, Boris Johnson, sorry, with the last election, over a hundred seat majority. At that point, people were talking about uh, another decade of conservative Correct, rule. Yeah. You don't lose hundred seat majorities in one, <laughs> yeah. in one yeah. parliament. It obviously, uh, some you know, following some fairly crazy events, yeah. uh, that that's all changed, and it looks like Keir Starmer uh, has a good shot. What do you think is going to happen, uh, Seth? And what do you think are the key factors that both sides are kind of looking out for uh, that will determine what happens? Well, I think, I mean, for the large part, I think what's become sort of clear is I think everyone, I say everyone, I think most people have become, uh, I don't want to say the word fed up, but I mean, probably that is what it has come down to. People have just become fed up of this government. Um, I think they've sort of feel like they've run out of ideas and they need to have a shift and a change. Um, so I do think for the large part, I I can't see I can't see how the Conservatives will stay in power. I just think it's almost an impossibility. Having said that, I think it will be tighter than what the polls suggest they are currently, because I think come polling day, or sorry, come come. Uh, uh, come the day that we have to sort of place a cross next to a box, um, I think people will also struggle um, with Labour in its entirety. Uh, uh, but I think they will get, I think they'll have a comfortable majority, but I think it will be a lot tighter than the polls suggest. I mean, you know, some polls are just, just a complete wipeout of the Conservatives. I don't think it will be a complete wipeout in that sense. Um, I think they'll probably still somehow end up holding on to some key seats. Um, but I do think that there is a there is a general uh, national mood right now to get rid of them, um, and I think Labour would win just on that. Yeah. But then I think very quickly afterwards they're going to need to prove 
you know, like their worth as well. Um, and I think that I think we're going into this sort of tumultuous time where um, I don't think he'll be given a lot of time to sort of come up with some sort of big brand uh, new ideas. Um, the problem becomes if budget, if the budget is tight, it becomes very difficult to sort of be a kind of revolutionary new yeah, leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's going to be difficult for him. It's a, not an easy. It's not if, an easy if, gig if he, to take if, over. If he yeah. does win the election, it's not an easy uh, mandate to take on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we've said, troubling economic uh, outlook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look brief, at look you, at the uh, immigration numbers. Correct. Look at the the um, the. Um, the toil on the public services across the country. Lots of unions are going to be in saying, right, now now you're in, we'll, we'll, have, well, what's those, going on? we'll exactly. have those 15% yeah. pay rises, please. And he's yeah. going to have to look him in the eye and say, oh, not, sure, yeah. not sure that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And in the run-up to the election, as you say, if the if the Conservatives are under that much pressure making mistakes, he's probably not going to be saying all that all that Absolutely. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, we, we all saw it with Rishi Sunak. You know, he's sort of seen the big competent, you know, sort of leader and even as a chancellor he was sort of probably hailed as the next guy he came after so many years of such mismanagement from uh, mm. Boris Johnson and Liz Trust that you know when he took over I think people have already sort of given up anyway yeah. um, and I think he was on a hiding to nothing you know like he, I, I don't think there is much that he can do to mm. be quite frank uh, to sort of change things over Labour could lose some you know and Keir Starmer sort of proved it a little bit with sort of flip-flapping about how you know like his 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 view on what you know what to do in the Israel Palestinian yeah. uh, situation he lost a lot of uh, support very very quickly mm-hmm. off the back of that so you know, there's a there's still a likelihood that you know they they could events. lose some sort of events. support events. events yeah 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 <laughs> there we go <laughs> and that and events and that is exactly why Rishi Sunak is likely to put back push back this yeah. election as late as possible in the hope for some, some sort of correct. event yeah. that changes the dynamic of course, yeah and of course. The big one that we all love to watch, the US election with yeah. our with your friend Donald Ooh. Trump back in the mix. My friend. <laughs> back in the mix, maybe even contesting it from jail, who knows? It's the next series of the uh, of the of the box set is dropping. Uh, President Biden, another four years older, looks oh. like it is gonna be him running, not confirmed yet, but it looks like he will be you know, he's more he's most likely to incredibly be the uh, d- democratic nominee again um so well, too old touching on he'll be touching on a hundred i mean it's incredible thing, him him versus him versus trump again second time round well what are you what are you expecting <laughs> expect the unexpected what do you think? I think i expect the unexpected i think the problem is um trump is doing very very well in sort of popular votes um whether that can, uh, Firstly, do you think he does get the nomination? Because there is who Trump. Yeah, he does. He get, think, does he get the Republican nomination? Now, obviously, we're just pure speculation. So completely here, speculating. Do you, th- do you think he's yeah. getting that? Um, I think because that in itself he, would be quite amazing, wouldn't it? Well, if he he, he garners a lot of support, he, people know that he garners a lot of support um, from that side. I think even after last time, I think there is. You, you see, the thing with uh, with Trump is he's got like a cult following. There, there are people that will continue supporting him no matter what you know and there is nothing that he could do i mean he was right he said that i could go and shoot someone on fifth avenue and people would still vote for me i actually think that's completely correct right i actually think that he's now in a position where he's become it, it's not just that the isn't, isn't trump is not no longer just a uh um 
he's not just a presidential candidate. I think he's become an ideology, you know, in itself. You know, it's what does he represent? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think it's kind of it's it's a it's a you know it, it's a sort of pushback on the on the system in inverted commas. But it's amazing that that isn't a like a fringe. You know, as in I agree with you. That's what he's seen mm. as. But that cult following is not a fringe following. It's, oh no, it's, it's grown. It's, it's, Absolutely, it's, it's, yeah. that cult yeah, following yeah, yeah. is so big yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that it could get him the uh, the nomination. Oh, absolutely. And then he's in with a real. If, if he is against not, Biden, and then he is in with a real, real shot. So it's not some. You know, it's not like he's a uh, has this fringe following, very strong ideological fringe. following. Yep. He's got a following of of mass, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. And and actually, if you look at <clears throat> if you look at the other candidates for the Republican nomination, they all have sort of fallen into line of being very much leaning towards the right. Yeah. Uh, so you've got the Indian, or, 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 is it Ramaswamy? Uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's Nikki been, Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley, and those are the sort of front runners. Um, you know, and they're they're very much leaning towards the right. They're a lot more sort of vocal, very anti-establishment. <laughs> Having said that, I think both Ramaswamy and Healy are part of the establishment, so that might be. So is Trump? Well, no, but I mean, he's not. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I mean, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, yeah, the guy who's a president <laughs> as well. You know, like, he's a former president. I mean, he, but he sells himself on being the anti-establishment. So guy. do they? Do they? Oh, not Nikki Haley, but uh... not Nikki Haley. But I mean, I think they and they probably do try it, but they are still seen as sort of part because they've still gone through. You know, like their senators and yeah, Congress yeah, people. Yeah. You know, like they, they they still have been part of mm -hmm. like the system. Um, so. You know, he'll use that against them and he'll probably... So, look, I think Trump potentially could win and then, yes, he could potentially win... From jail. Of, from jail. <laughs> uh, I mean, and look, that's that's the whole thing. I think what he would lose is he, he could potentially lose some, some of the more uh, centre-right uh, Republicans that will just find it a bit too distasteful that a guy either in prison or being, you know, like sort of going yeah. through indictments... Yeah. Through so many indictments, uh, could be running for president. I think the next series is going to be the craziest oh, series it, of of this box set well, ever. I mean, I'll be honest with you; it can't get any crazier. <laughs> you know? I think, I think, I, I, sorry, sorry. I wouldn't. I mean, you know, like any crazier, and it's you know, it's like it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Uh, but, but I just think, because I just think the Biden element of it is going to get crazier as well. Because I think as you get closer, there's going to just be more and more stories emerging of of his mental health of of his capacities stuff leaking on that side which ha you know you get a bit of it and it's a bit um conspiracy um conspiracy yeah, yeah. but actually i think as the time goes by you're going to see how much you know he's got a campaign yeah he's got he, he, he'd have to campaign and i think but know, look i also i would say one thing is i think with u.s politics the thing is what what i think it has proved over the last sort of eight years is that whether it's a democrat or republican some of the more foreign policy uh, issues don't really change that mm -hmm. much. Um, they're just done in a very different way. Um, uh, you know, uh, closer ties with North Korea. Um, you know, if Trump comes in, he will probably, again, press away from people like Iran, more towards China, North Korea, that kind of side he, of things. He's actually been stronger against Israel as well, hasn't he? He's, he, he's, he said he, things, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. he's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in his interviews yeah. said, yeah. you know, there's only one way to get a deal and it's with Israel um, actually um, compromising. Yeah, compromise, on exactly. And he yeah, told yeah. Netanyahu that. So, yeah. you know, you, and you see Netanyahu might do it with him in charge. I think, you know, it purely becomes, you know, it's... Uh, uh, 
I don't know. Oh, look, There's I, your nice I, thing for Trump for the day. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't want to say. Oh, <laughs> I'm at, yeah, I'm at a loss of words already. <laughs> so, so we all, so we've all got that to look forward to uh, yeah. next year. And as it as it happens, we'll be discussing that on this uh, on this show. I think the other theme is it kicked off. I think probably. I mean, it's obviously been going on for a while. It really got the mainstream um, headlines. I think probably in the second half of of uh, 23 and I think it's only going to increase uh, as we go through next year but it's, that is just the general uh, AI artificial intelligence um, um, offerings uh, people seeing it being used deep mm. fakes on the internet being you I think it's going to be you for the first time this 2024 election is going to be the first uh, in both in the UK and I think the US will be the first elections where I think you're going to see lots of AI generated misinformation being pumped yeah, out. Yeah, What's yeah. real? What isn't real? Yep. The quality of the fake material getting that can be put out is yeah. so sophisticated. Yeah. You know, I think you know individuals, the public, are going to have to become so much smarter very, very quickly in determining what is fake information being presented by um, by the opposition and what is actual real videos information these are video fakes these are audio fakes these are imagery fakes you know this you name it all being pumped out through social media um so regulation of ai is high on the agenda no one seems to know quite what the balance should be it moves too quickly that's the thing i mean you know ai is it it, it, that it's it's progressing at such a rate that you can't you can't be even quick enough on policy. There, there, it's almost impossible to stay afloat with it. Um, and uh, no, it'll be look. I mean, sort of setting out general guidelines over it is very, very hard. Um, and on the flip side, it's you know when you've got sort of things like social media, where <clears throat> you know I think what was the thing? You know, a lie can get around. You know, a, a lie, a lie can sort of travel around the world quicker than when the truth, mm-hmm. you know, has uh, has an ability to catch up with it. Um, and this, and I, I think you're right. I think what will end up happening is people have already, you know, for the large part, I think people have already made up their mind. Those conspiracy theorists, um, they've grown in number, but they will always remain conspiracy theorists. Um, you know, whether more people sort of uh, fall into that rabbit hole. I don't know. I mean, it's but you're you're right. It is is it it's it is very very concerning um, because you really don't know what you can and can't trust. Uh, I mean, we've seen it for the first time. I think during this uh, Israel um, Gaza um, mm, conflict, yep. lots of images being shared, fake images. Yep. You know, and <clears throat> I've seen it firsthand. You know, my dad showing me stuff, other family members showing me. Stuff, I mean, having to say. You know, not, on both sides, yep. you know, that's not that's not real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that is a yeah. that is a bit of fake content. Correct. And un- unless you kind of are rigorous in how you're able to look and, and question and then research, so well, and, But I think that that's the generation that will struggle with it the most because they have become so used to the idea that once you see an image or once you see mm-hmm. something, you know, like once you know it is. Um, Almost, I remember when I was younger. You, the minute you sort of see something on the news, or if it's sort of posted online, mm-hmm. or uh, there is a televisual yeah, it's been checked experience, it's been it's checked, up. and that's why it's up. Now, with the rise of things like social media and things being shared so openly and quickly, um, it is impossible. And I have to do the same. Like you said, it's you know, like the amount of times I see it um, from from family members who are sharing things. 
you sort of have i mean you know for because you we become so used to now questioning and querying mm-hmm. uh almost immediately whether something is real or not um that thing and i've noticed it on you know like some social media sites when somebody posts something and like one of the questions are like is this real i mean you know imagine that we're now in an environment now where we have to sort of question yeah, everything yeah. that we see so it looks like i mean i will i mean it'd be fascinating to see what the next developments on ai and its use cases are next year it kind of um came out not out of nowhere but i think the speed at which it it's mm. taken on uh, both in terms of the debate but also use cases in 2023 was phenomenal especially considering the thing that we've spoken about for uh, not sorry not just we here but you know society businesses talk about for for ages autonomous driving still oh, no still oh. nowhere to be still nowhere to be seen that's, you know, we've been talking <laughs> about that for probably a decade no, that's not happening in 24 is it i think people just still don't trust it i i think look and i, I think you know like for example in this country the problem that we have is we've got very tight roads. Um and I was actually speaking to someone about this and they said the you know because uh, it's not so much motorway driving motorway driving and things like that mm. could that's generally not too hard to sort of uh, get that right. Um the problem because on our general streets um uh, you know we we it, because the, because the roads are so tight and sometimes you know like especially around sort of more rural areas they've got well, to get they around haven't got tighter Sorry? They haven't got any tighter. What, right? I mean, 10 years ago, we were told, you know, autonomous driving's on its way. Yeah, but... They um, knew the tightness <laughs> of the roads then. It hasn't become tighter over the last 12 months. No, but that's months, why they it? say, you know, like, for example, in San Francisco, I, you know, we, we, I, I had a friend that went there and um, he actually sat in an autonomous car. He got into an Uber, right. which essentially drove itself back. Um, and he was sitting, he said it was the most unnerving uncomfortable experience he's ever had but it did get him safely from a to b um, did he choose it yeah yeah, so yeah, he, had yeah, yeah. Ch- he just wanted to he try did, it. he just wanted to try it yeah and um so so you know and he said and how many of them around though oh i can't i don't know exactly um i think around that time there was about 200 cars within the sort of san, san francisco bay area that that's what, it yeah, I think so. so. So hang on. So in San Francisco, we're saying uh, the, the regulated. Of, yeah, we're saying yeah, it's regulated. Yeah, yeah. It's legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're available. But still no. Yeah, no right around the corner from Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah you we'll know, see that. In, we'll, see, we'll be discussing that in uh, 2030. <laughs> I think. But I think people don't want to give up on uh, you know like their driving. I'd give it up in a moment. Would in you? Flat, yeah, in a heartbeat. I've got but much better things to do than have to sit there concentrating on driving. Or driving. Yeah, for right. t- absolutely. Absolutely. Would you trust it? Yeah, if I if I see if everyone, I think if everyone's <laughs> using it, it's working. Yeah, I'll, I'll be on board. Give it a Definitely go. Definitely be on board. Anyway, but it's not happening. It's not happening <laughs> so, that's a that's a moot point. We've got five minutes left. We better cover some sport. European Super, Super League. League back, back on again. The, back well, back and then <laughs> swiftly rejected by everyone who, after last time, too scared to uh, to it? come out. It was and a silly to, idea to bring it out. I don't know. I, what was interesting? I don't know if you saw. What was interesting is is the uh, European Court um, uh, 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 saying that ruling that UEFA and FIFA carry too much power and are not allowed and that leagues, other leagues uh, created by independent, created independently 
are legal and should be allowed and the ruling therefore is against UEFA and FIFA now that doesn't mean that they are ruling for the Super League, uh, the yeah. Super League or for yeah, any other but they have ruled it is a big judgement they've ruled against UEFA and FIFA for saying essentially you hold a monopoly Yeah. Um, which I guess in business terms is exactly what they've tried to say like how can you stop another tournament from signing up now the, what the 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 um, other tournaments will all all the other leagues other uh, projects whatever you want to call them will always have the challenges they need the clubs to agree to play with them and I guess they're one step closer in that the clubs now being clear that they do have a choice mm. um, but the fan bases and the, and the general public have not been swayed yeah. at all yeah. and until I think they have those on boards you'll find very few clubs here in England at least that will ever sign up look I think we're not that far away from potentially a um, you know, we've seen it in golf um, where you know a you know another organisation yeah, stepped yeah. in yeah, yeah. ready to pay some really really big wages yeah. um, uh, to keep uh, some of these golfers on yeah. and we've seen what that's actually entailed. it has to be you're right it has to be Saudi back they're, they're just testing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're just testing the yeah, water yeah, yeah. with their league with their league they? exactly they're just testing the water yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I don't and I think that's right I don't think it is this big thing I think it's like on a season where you don't have a European Championship and you don't have a World Cup the <clears> Saudis will put a load of money into some some into Competition. into some competition yep. and therefore it doesn't it won't um, uh, it won't contravene UEFA's uh, yep. Champions League it won't come in and it'll be and it'll just be in those summers yep. where there's no other tournament the world's best clubs come together Absolutely. for another tournament that's what it's going to be and, and I think that's one, where... and it's going to be wonderful <laughs> and look and I think that's where their sort of league has come in where they're willing to sort of pay the mega mega bucks um, I think uh, they're just testing the world. And, and, they're testing... Be host, and it'll be hosted in Saudi every year course, every time of course every time I mean what we've seen that we, we just saw this uh, most recent uh, com- uh, this this cup this um, where Man City were playing exactly. uh, oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in, 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 in Saudi and also what that does is um, <laughs> it means they can build the infrastructure and use it Absolutely. every and it means yeah, people yeah, yeah. are going to come in to watch the football every year and they become a destination again there you go you heard it you heard it here <laughs> first that is going to be the new the big, the big, that's going to be the new big tournament that's your big call for two th- that, 2024 is it uh, actually yeah maybe 25 but maybe they <laughs> uh, maybe they try to announce it in 24 yeah 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 with 25 yeah, yeah. being the first year we got 40 seconds well you wouldn't left. I mean look you wouldn't have I think that there is a very uh, big possibility that the Saudis or Qataris or one of the Middle Eastern companies were probably backing this ruling anyway. It's probably oh, their lawyers. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We yeah. can't have that type of speculation on this show. I'm just saying. I think it's possible, uh, it's right? It's libelous, I think. <laughs> it's not libelous. I'm just saying <laughs> there's a possibility that they were... Because they just wanted to test the water, you know, like just sort of see where they could... But anyway, who knows? It's been a pleasure having you with us today uh, on the Voice of Islam Saturday morning live. Wishing you the most pleasant weekends and week aheads and we'll see you next week inshallah.